Every month, we offer exciting new webinars for our community. Topics include how to use retirement accounts to buy real estate overseas, how to get a second passport in Latin America, why you should sell your stock portfolio and move your money offshore, how to buy beachfront rental properties in Brazil for less than $100,000, or apartments in Paraguay for less than $60,000. If you want to join us for free for these presentations with live Q&A, insider secrets, and exclusive opportunities with my professional network of experts, then go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for free upcoming presentations. expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe, and this is the Expat Money Show. Today's guest has both a PhD and MBA and is an Austrian School of Economics student. He is a proponent of private, decentralized sound money, a crypto enthusiast, privacy advocate, and regular speaker at international freedom conferences. Please welcome to the show, Terry Tiller. Terry, how are you? I'm doing great, Mikkel. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. My pleasure. I'm excited to have this conversation. You know, you and I have become friends over the last six months or a year. So I'm really excited to learn from you and hear about your work and all the excited things that you are doing. So why don't we kind of start a little bit about your background? How did you get into crypto? How did you decide Austrian School of Economics? I want to hear it all. Yeah. All right. Long story short was I read a book from Tony Robbins like more than 20 years ago that really piqued my interest. And he was highlighting the fact that institutions lie their asses off to us. And that kind of got me down the health journey originally. So that's kind of my original background. But but what he sparked something different in me that I wanted to know the goddamn truth, no matter what that truth was or where it came from. When I thought that the institutional lies were that big, there's no way I could fathom that they stopped there. They, they had to they had to permeate everything. And so, you know, I just wanted to know the truth, wherever that was found. You know, I like the way Tony says, kick the legs out from under the table. If the belief doesn't hold, it just it doesn't serve you. Get rid of it. And so I just went in this mission of wanting to know the truth. And so you not only learn the truth about health, but then you start learning the truth about the financial system, how economics really works, what the central banksters are really doing, how the, the money printers work. And, you know, you you go to school and you learn some of their versions. And there's a few good nuggets in there, but the real learning happens outside of it. Right. So you want to know how do economics really work? And you, you see lots of good writings like from the Austrian School of Economics, for example, and then you get into the problem of sound money and the uncoupling of gold and precious metals. And you get down all these rabbit holes and it's just one rabbit hole after another. And I feel like I spent my entire adult life down these rabbit holes wanting to know the truth. And I always think that if you want to devise a solution, which is I try and be very much solution oriented, that you guys are first define the problems. You have to look at the problems accurately, objectively. You've got to know what they are. You know, you got to start looking at historical references. You know, were there other times when the central banks were ousted, you know, and what happened when they came back in? And you start looking at a wide variety of things. And so fast forward, I spend a lot of my adult life in the health world, but I also did a lot of seminars talking about a lot of things that, that you and I discussed, you know, how people needed plan Bs. You need a plan C, you need a plan D. And then along comes 2020, and I'm screaming from the rooftops that this is a scam. 
already in 2019 warning people like guys like please see through this this is another agenda they're trying to push you know agenda 2030 forward and i'm doing webinars about these kinds of things it's trying to give people context and then my community was saying you know please you got to do some webinars you got to get, get more in depth in this stuff we got to talk more about this and what do we do and how do we strategize and so from that point on, we started doing webinars and talking about relocation research. We started looking at a lot of things that you do. You know, where would you live if the, your home country really does take a real negative dive, if things are not pleasant? Where else would you have passports? Where are places likely to be exempt from this? If there's a war on food, you know, where do you go? And so we look at all these layers of the onion. Long story short, we also started looking at way people are Concerned, of course, how do you generate income if you're leaving? How do you how do you make money? What do you do? What can I do with the assets that I do have? And so we start having these conversations about crypto. We start having these conversations about trying to generate online income via businesses, investments, passive, managed accounts, trading bots. We just looked at anything we could kick up dust on and try and find things that work. And then a large group of us, or significant, significant group, I wouldn't call it large, we ended up moving to Mexico. We secure residencies, uh, which is putting us in line for a passport. We're looking at other options and programs like that. And then so long story short, the last three years really created this big pivot where, you know, you and I started merging even more into the same worlds. So I've always been talking about freedom and anarcho-capitalism and libertarian values. And I was a big Ron Paul guy. And so that's a lot in a short nugget, but we're, we're passionate about these kinds of subjects and we share these things in common. And so we just try and help as many people we can who have ears to hear about what's wrong with the world and how do we make it better for them and for the whole. Amazing. This is going to be a very fun conversation today because there's so many trigger points in there. There's so many things that we can get into because you're really speaking my language. Now, it's interesting that you said that you came to a lot of these things from the health angle. I have also gone down that rabbit hole very, very extensively. I actually was a huge health nut, decided that I wanted to do that for a living probably 10, 15 years ago and was big into fitness and wanted to compete and then started learning about all these different types of health health aspects, and then from the medical side, and then from the pharmaceutical side. And when you start going down those pathways and start looking at what's happening, and what the truth is, I mean, you just see so much BS out there. There's just so many lies. I think actually the very first thing that really got me kind of questioning things you could say is public education. I dropped out of school when I was 12 years old. So in that regard, you and I have a very different background because you went very far in education. I left at a very young age. But what I had seen through public education was just how much BS was out there in the marketplace. And then I went into the health aspect and then I started seeing that. And when you start studying the financial side and the monetary side and the central bankers and how finance and capital works, and you start to see everywhere you turn in society, there's just so many lies out there. It's just truly unbelievable. So I think that understanding that freedom is not just from one aspect, that freedom we actually have to have in many different facets, but it all kind of connects together and touches one another. And the more you learn about one, the more it uncovers about the others. I think that there's just there's so much out there that when you start going down the rabbit hole, it really opens your eyes to so many different things that are out there. Well, you know, we and we advocate the personal responsibility mantra. You know, we always beat that drum that, you know, there's a lot of shitty things that are going to happen in life that are out of your control. But at the end of the day, it still serves you best to just 
take responsibility and pivot and decide what you're going to do with the shitty things that all come our way at some point in time. And so, you know, it's interesting that you dropped out. And in some ways, I admire you because, you know, I have a lot of disdain for the public education system. Always did. I was in a lot of trouble in elementary school because, you know, I was bored out of my mind. I, I couldn't see any useful connection to what they were teaching. It drove me crazy. And then you get prodded on from one step to the next about just trying to make the world a better place and maybe hoping that maybe people will listen more to your platform if you go a little further down the road and so on and so forth. But when I'm frequently asked, like, would you do it again, all, all the formal education side? And I would say, no, I would invest just as much time and energy into learning, into education itself, but not necessarily the formal side of it because there's there's so much outside of that. So, yeah. And when, when you take responsibility, like you said, all the money in the world, all the passports in the world won't help you if you lose your health. And I don't trust or believe in the pharmaceutical system at all. I haven't for a long time. And so if you don't want to be dependent upon it, then you better learn to be in control of your health and know what your options are. So, so yeah, we get down lots of rabbit holes, but more than anything, we're just trying to empower people to live their best life. Well, one of the main things that I saw was when I was in school and they started teaching the food pyramid. And I'm looking at this and going, hmm, the base of my diet should be Lucky Charms. I don't think that they have my best interest at heart. You know, like this is absolute complete BS. And then when you start learning about things and how the direction that this is set up and how you have lobbyists who are pushing different type of things forwards to be able to put this food into public education and you start to see the connections between all of it, you understand how much lies there are there. And now the big agenda with this climate change or climate crisis or whatever BS they're calling it now, and they want to go to a meatless society and they want people to eat bug burgers and things. And I can just imagine that is the new base of the food pyramid is like cricket burgers or something like that. Like it's just really disgusting. And I don't understand how people can sell their souls to the devil and actually lie like this and put these things forwards because it's just becoming so blatant now. It's absolutely shocking to me. Yeah, there's just a, you know, like my friend Jason calls it, there's lots of liaria out there, you know, but big industry is obviously behind all of these things. What baffles me all the time is how, you know, the sheeple can't see it. It doesn't, it, it never seems to matter how obvious it becomes. It never seems to matter how, how many mountains of evidence pile up on any one subject. I guess in one sense, I am slightly grateful for all that's transpired over the past three years from the perspective of, I think we have, I wouldn't even, I don't think it's hundreds of thousands. We probably have millions of new freedom conscious, much more awake than they used to be people than ever before. And I think that every time tyranny shows its hand, like in a poker game, I think they're always going to create more of that. So it gives us a much better base to work from. You know, I heard Larkin Rose say it a couple of years ago, he was talking in a, in a talk and I like a lot of stuff that Larkin does, but he was saying that he said he's, he's just more encouraged than ever, despite how gloomy everything looks. He's like, back then there was, you know, only dozens of people who might've talked about libertarian or anarcho-capitalist type values. And now, now we number and even the hundreds of thousands is, is at least the lowest point that we can get. And, you know, we're not even touching the surface of all the other their countries and languages and cultures and the way that they try and segregate our media and keep us from connecting with them. I think we're well into the millions. So there is some silver lining with all of this horrible stuff that's going on. And, I, and for the listeners listening, I also want to say one thing. It's hard for all of us to stay positive, myself included. But their outcome, their horrible, shitty plan for the world with the crickets and all of it, is not guaranteed to win. It's not a guaranteed outcome. right? They're not guaranteed to win this, and we have to keep that in mind and control what we can control. Well, I think that's why it's so important, the work that you do and, and the work that I do. I mean, I get out of bed 
every day. And I'm just so excited to come to work and sit down at my desk and create content and try to talk about these things. Because as you mentioned before, I mean, being solutions orientated, I think is the name of the game, you know, trying to figure out how we can protect ourselves and how we can help our community. And we can build these types of things that are actually going to move the ball downfield, you know, now, there are some fantastic people out there who talk about the theory of libertarianism and the theory of anarcho-capitalism. And I love their work. And I think that that's very important. But the work that you do and the work that I do is more focused on tangible things, things that we can do right now and actually have more freedom in our life. And I think that that is just so important to today's day and age, because there's so many people who are afraid, who are out there alone, who have not been going through this for years or decades. You know, this they're coming to these ideas brand new. And it's like, well, where do they start? What do they do? How do we actually help them to actually have more freedom in their lives today? So that's what I'm really excited about today's conversation. I want to talk to you specifically about a lot of your work with privacy coins, with anonymous type of protocols that are out there with crypto, and kind of understand how you see that fitting into a real life plan that people can have more freedom in their lives. Yeah, I know I did a talk a while back. And one of the things that I did just to give people a little context was I took some of the main bullet points from, you know, like what the World Economic Forum is putting out, I guess, as they're advertising these days, if you want to call it. Klaus Schwab and is a you will have no privacy and you will own nothing. You know, so I try to dissect some of these singular bullet points that they're putting out and saying, OK, I'm going to do something about that. If they're going to try and outlaw privacy, then only outlaws will have privacy. So we need to do something about that. If they're collapsing, if this is an orchestrated collapse of the entire fiat system, which I believe it is, and we'll see how that all plays out. I mean, this is not something that's easy. Someone could just hit the switch on. But I think that's kind of what we're under is somewhat of a controlled demolition across the board. Then how do you maintain some assets, right? So you need things that are outside of the system. So whether it be gold and silver, whether you think there's a jurisdiction where the banks are going to be protected or safer, you've got to look at these kinds of issues, things that you talk about a lot. And crypto was built as a parallel economy, a parallel system. But the World Economic Forum is also working hard to hijack that technology. They're working hard to kind of take over and manipulate crypto. So they manipulate prices. Pretty obvious to me, I would argue that BlackRock had a, definitely had a hand in collapsing Luna and the stable coins and totally disrupting the market. And I think they're obviously manipulating Bitcoin prices. I, I think there's a lot of manipulation going on. And now they've got their own pet projects, right? So you can read in their own documents, the IMF, the BIS, doesn't matter where you're looking. They're talking about using Ripple and XRP and XLM and all the ISO 2022 coins. They're very engaged in that. So we, it's not enough for us to just say, hey, crypto's great. It's outside of the system. We also have to dig a little deeper and say, well, which ones are for the people? Which ones are pro-freedom? Which ones are ones that they can't control or they're going to have a real hell of a time controlling? What can they not stop? In the early days of Bitcoin, we talked about censorship resistance, but I mean, that mythology has fallen apart because look what happened in the Canadian truckers. People donated. They made a nice, gentle donation. Even single moms who were broke and struggling might have made a $20 donation. And they're on a blacklist for life. Their bank account's frozen. And in some cases, they sent Bitcoin and they knew who it was. And so if they can block that, if they can, if they can blacklist everyone who used Tornado Cash, that is not our answer to freedom in the future. So it doesn't matter if you're a Bitcoin maxi, you've got to at some point in time, look at the objective reality and the facts. It's a Bitcoin is a beautiful project. I'm excited about it. It's, you know, I'm excited that it, that it existed. It created, it started a movement. It's doing a lot of great things for us. But in the end, something that's more transparent than our current banking system is not the answer to our future. 
Right. And so when they say you will have no privacy, you know, I want people to know that we have privacy phones now. We have privacy laptops now. We have people working hard because I think entrepreneurs are the only things that are going to solve the world's real problems. We have people building parallel internets, trying to get around internet service providers. We have people building mesh networks. There were Nobel Prizes won on these kinds of things. This is all taking place. But even for those who don't, there's lots of privacy apps you can download on your phone right now. Like at minimum, we've got to stop making it easy on them. You know, because I'll, I'll stop this last point and we can probe into any area that you want. But if you realize over the last three years and for anyone who's a fellow deep platform truther like I've been for a long time, I used to have big followings on lots of social media networks. Like they just deleted me like overnight, like just ghosted, gone. So all that content's gone, all your following's gone, all your audience is gone. And for a lot of people, your entire business in essence is, is gone overnight when they can do that. But what you also realize in the last three years is... They are weaponizing our own data against us. That's how they got people to go along with the whole agenda the last three years. That, that's how they can sell you on the idea that Trump is going to save everything because they data mine everything that goes on online and then they feed you exactly what you want to fucking hear. And so people swallow it whole like, oh, he's for me. Look, he's speaking my language. He's speaking your language because you let him have the data to feed it right back to you. And so we, we need to stop doing that and stop making it easy on them. It's a small chink in the armor, but it, I think it counts. Well, there's so many things there. Okay. One of the main ones, going back to your point about the trucker convoy, you're absolutely right. Because people who were donating small amounts of money have now had their entire lives blacklisted. They're freezing bank accounts. You can't pay your electricity bill. You're going to lose your home, things like this. And do you know how they're doing it? They're doing it with tax dollars. So they're actually using, they're stealing money through taxation and now using that against you to ruin people's lives because they supported freedom. I mean, that's pretty ridiculous. Like that is trying to stay positive in an environment like that is difficult. I definitely understand people who have looked at the situation over the last two and a half, three years and gone, wow, this is just unbelievable. I think that that for me, this is why one of the first steps is to get out of these abusive relationships. Just like I left school when I was 12 years old and went, this is based on violence and coercion. I need to get out. Now I think people have to realize that in these types of state-run systems, Canada and the U.S. being the big countries that I work against, getting out of there and moving to countries which do not have income tax, where you do not have to pay these types of things, where the government themselves are broke and impotent. I mean, this is what I want. I want a government who just can't get it up, who just can't do anything. You know, I don't want to be in a country which has trillions of dollars to spend against you in surveillance, in weaponizing and militarizing the police force to have these types of technologies to come after you. I'd rather be in a Latin American country, where the country has no money. They have nothing. There's no CCTV on every street, single street corner where it's not a nanny state. It's not a police state, you know, and you can just live your life. Do we have a libertarian haven in the world where we can just do whatever we want? No, it doesn't exist. But at least we can get out of the really abusive situations. And then when we start to try to build something, we're building it from a place of strength. We're not already arming our enemy on all of these types of things. Yeah. I mean, th these things are important at minimum as backup plans, you know, at minimum, if you feel like you like where you currently are and you're struggling to leave, it's still completely worthwhile to venture out, 
see some places that you might consider as a plan B if things change where you are and to obtain some residencies and passports and some have yourself some options, some different bank accounts. You, and you might use those bank accounts to protect your assets. We all, none of us really know how it's all going to play out. Are they going to, are they going to be able to simultaneously freeze all bank accounts in every country simultaneously? I have strong doubts about that. I never did trust the banking system, but I'd rather have it in a jurisdiction that's friendlier and a little more impotent and incompetent and, you know, less connected and less able to, to do these things, even at Klaus Schwab's command, if they wanted to, that they can't, then, then not. And, and I, I like, gold, silver. I like, you know, I, I guess I we do think about real estate plays. We do think about lots of options, but you got to protect your asset somehow. And so sometimes your best asset is your physical self. So you have to realize how you're going to do that also at the end of the day, and then figure out the money situation elsewhere. It, it's a complicated load of questions. So I don't blame anyone for being under a lot of stress and a lot of uncertainty, but no matter what comes at us, no matter what they do, we're just trying to constantly focus on solutions, things that make people's day better. If, if that's just a simple little day trading system that can generate a few hundred bucks a day for someone, if they're not getting rich, but they can pay their bills living somewhere else, that's beautiful. Like We're always trying to find things like that that empower people so they can win and they can do it however they want to do it, but we're just trying to give them options. Yeah, absolutely. Because as you had said, we don't know how this is going to play out. Like we're all looking at this day by day. We know that there's true evil in the world. It exists. They are coming for you. They're coming for you, for me, and for literally everybody. I don't think that anyone can really question that. Now, I would say, in my opinion, they've completely overplayed their hand. I think that they've gone too far, too fast, and I think it's going to implode. But in the end, although we might win, it is going to ruin so many people's lives in the interim. So I think the name of the game is to protect yourself, to protect what's yours, protect your family, protect your assets, and just wait and just watch and see what happens. Don't be one of these casualties of war. Do not get hit by this. Stay out of the way and let them fight amongst themselves because I believe that they're all different organizations. They're all fighting for control over the world. It's hard to identify who's in charge of what. There's so many limited hangouts. There's so many people who pretend to be in charge who really have no power. And I think that that goes back to a lot of the politics that we see. There are a lot of fronts for different organizations and for different things. You mentioned BlackRock. BlackRock is absolutely at the head and the forefront a lot of this. Klaus Schwab and these people, WEF is a very bizarre organization. The things that have happened are very, very weird when you start studying it and looking into it and then looking at Kissinger and his influence and impact on these types of organizations. There's a lot happening. For me, I'm not too, not con concerned is not the right word. Maybe I don't spend the majority of my time trying to figure out all of these types of things. What I'm trying to do is hedge my bets on everything, making sure that as we're building out systems to protect ourselves and stacking laws that are going to ensure our freedom, that I'm always asking myself like, well, what if I'm wrong? What if this is not correct? What if I made a mistake here? What is my plan B, my plan C, my plan D? Not just in jurisdictions, but just in different types of assets, in different ways that things are set up, how we're getting money, how we're creating income for ourselves so that we can be on the side and not be 
plowed down by what everything that is happening. Like if you look at locking people in their homes for the last, whatever it was, a year of lockdowns, anybody who was dependent on only one type of income source, I mean, these people are screwed. Like this is like literally tragic. But as you had said, you know, if there's some type of a online business or investment, which is generating income, at least enough to pay their rent or put some food on the table. These are real things that everybody needs to look at. I think the most risky right now is trying to get all of your income from one source, having a, a J-O-B, you know, I mean, that is the most risky thing you can do right now. So, I mean, I'm going on a little bit of a rant, but at the same time, I'm kind of curious your perspective on the solutions that are really working for your people or the things that you've been working with people on that are making a difference in their lives. Yeah, that's a, another very loaded one. I, and just to clarify, when I, when I talk about the World Economic Forum, I, I just kind of see them as they've become kind of like the, the label or the poster child to describe this globalist clique, like the Trilateral Commission, the CFR, the, the banksters. The, you know, I, I think it all it all stems down to the banksters and the kind of the people who've been running this stuff for a long time. They're, they're behind all of it. And so I think right now we are really in a war with them. I think World War III was declared in 2019, but this time it's not against any one country. I don't believe in the Ukraine-Russia bullshit. It's a war against the state versus the people. Right? I think Frank Zappi used to say at some point in time when it becomes less useful for them, just let the charade and the curtains drop and they'll show their hands and there we are. I forget how we worded it, but I think you get the point. And I think we're at that we're at that moment. And I guess the good news that could come from it is if their tyranny goes really extreme over extended periods of time, maybe people will finally wake up to realize that the state is not their friend, has never been their friend, and life would be better off without them. We can hope. In the meantime, for solutions, that's what we're telling people, right? Like, hedge your best. People say, oh, Bitcoin's going to a million. And like, it's certainly possible. There is some math that suggests that as a possibility, but it's also not guaranteed. And in a lot of ways, although the, the enemy loves it right now because it's, it's a surveillance coin, it's exactly what it is. It provides them excellent surveillance. So for now, it's useful for them to leave it afloat. But when they want to bring in their CBDCs, which is you know, I think it's less than six months away, or at least they're going to try or start introducing it. They want it to come in next year. Are they just going to leave Bitcoin alone? No, they can't shut down the network. No, they cannot send the military to an office to invade it. But they can manipulate it so bad. They can close off all the on and off ramps. They can really manipulate the price. They can scare people out of their wits from using it. They can do a lot of things. So to, to, just to say, put all your money in Bitcoin, it's the safest, best performing asset. Yeah, it has been. I'm not saying no money should be there, but is it guaranteed to be there where you want it to be in a million dollars in a few years? It's really not. We need to diversify. And I think, like you said, especially the income side of it, especially the, I'm amazed and astounded how many people are just sitting back and just doing what they've done even four years ago, that they have the same job and the same whatever. And now that they see everyone's taken off the mask, they think all normalcy is returned and everything's done and good. I mean, oh God. That was just like phase one of the war, right? There's obviously going to be other phases, other invasions, other whatever. So, so yeah, so we do we do long-term crypto holding. We've looked at a couple different things where you can teach people basic day trading stuff. So you can't train an amateur to outperform against the big hedge funds and to become pro traders overnight. But if we're always looking for, for if there's a little strategy where they can take 
just catch a short window, bag a nice little bag of profits and generate a real income from that. We're, we're very interested. Or we also look for professional traders who run kind of like managed accounts where people shouldn't put all their money in, but you can park some money with them and they'll pay you either a variable or a predetermined return. These are great ways for people to generate cash flow. You know, we like gold and silver. I know you have a good custody solution for people. If they're looking to diversify, some people have gold and silver and they want to hold it in different places. I know you, you and I have had this discussion before, but we don't know what the answers are. When it comes to real estate, my burr about it is always that if I have to ask for permission to build the deck and I still owe the money when there's no mortgage on the place, I don't really fucking own it, you know? <laughs> So I, I would be warmer to real estate in countries where they have a true alloyal title or whatever you want to call it. And I know there's a few places around the world that do that. So I would be a little warmer and fuzzier to that. But to me, it's like building businesses and looking at crypto and what's the most resistant thing that they can't do in crypto. And so the libertarians and anarcho-capitalists hate when I say this, but I have to say it, right? If you don't want to be someone who owns nothing, at the end of whatever is coming, however this shows up, because they're going to devalue the dollar to zero, even if they don't turn off the old system, like some way, somehow, they're making sure that your wealth transfers to them. How do you prevent that? Well, we play some of our bets on what I call the criminal coins in crypto. That's just because I'm not going to risk a lifetime's worth of hard work to make sure that I own nothing. And if I'm stealing from them, so to speak, that's kind of how I justify it. I don't mind stealing a little piece of their pie. I don't want them owning all of it. And then we place a lot of bets on the freedom projects in crypto, the privacy ones, the ones that they can't shut down. If you did donate to the truckers, they couldn't have found out, right? So we are just trying to diversify in lots of ways. We think everyone should have at least one or two residencies, at least a second passport, or at least be working towards one, trying to put some things in place. So those are the kinds of things that we're really big on. We're looking at business ideas. You know, we're, if we can teach people how to build an online funnel and generate some cash from some expertise or some, some kind of knowledge that they have, some kind of specialized knowledge, then you know, we're definitely encouraging that and showing them all the steps and pieces and business models that they can go and copy to make it work for them. So we're not trying to prescribe what they do. We're trying to put them in front of options, places that we're putting our own money and that we're trying to diversify in places that are paying well or we're hoping will pay well and letting people get a grab at what makes sense for them. Well, that makes perfect sense to me. I mean, this podcast, we've been going for well over six years now, and we've had hundreds of guests on here. And every episode is very unique. Every episode that we've done on this is really all over the place. Now, at the first look at it, you might think, what is this guy even talking about? What is the show about? I mean, the show is about freedom. I mean, it's about liberty. The best vehicle I've seen to do that is internationalization. Now, one day we might be talking about entrepreneurship and the next day we're talking about privacy coins and a third day we're talking about precious metals. But for me, they're all so connected because it really comes down to being able to protect yourself and having options that are out there. I want to just put ideas in front of people and then have really fantastic guests who are experts in it that people can follow up with afterwards. You know, I always encourage people to go out there and do your own research, do your own due diligence. Just because we're on this show and we're talking about something doesn't mean it's gospel. It's just a starting place where from there you can go out there and do your research and try to explore different ideas, but it always will come back to privacy, protection, prosperity, peace, liberty. These are the core tenets. These are the things that I stand for. You know, that's what I've dedicated my life to. 
it's really fantastic to have someone like you on the show who has such a similar background and came to similar conclusions as I have, and then trying to figure out solutions to help people. Because we're not oracles. We can't see the future. We're just using information and data points that we've seen and now trying to put options in front of people. And from there, I mean, people have to take their own responsibility to try to figure it out from that perspective. Listen, I need your help for a second. Can you pause this episode right now and go to your favorite podcasting app and leave the Expat Money Show a review? Now, the biggest podcasting app in the world and the easiest one to do this on is Apple Podcasts. So if you have an iPhone, then it should be pretty straightforward. Otherwise, if you're on a desktop or a laptop, you might need to have iTunes to be able to do that. But if you go and search on expatmoneyshow.com, find the podcast and see if there's a place to leave a review. We really appreciate it. What this does is it allows other people to know that this show has value and they should check it out. We are trying to spread the word and spread freedom. And the best way I know how to do that is to move offshore and become an expat. That is the best vehicle in the world. So we're building a super strong community. We are helping thousands of people to do that. And I want you to do your part. So please do me this favor. Leave the Expat Money Show a review. Let us know what you think. And yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. So you had mentioned some of the privacy coins or as there's different terms for them. Let's dig into a couple of your favorite projects. And we these are not recommendations to buy or recommendations to go out there and sink your life savings into. I just want to understand a little bit about the technology, why you think that these are a much better option for someone who is out there, who agrees with you and I that there are darker days to come and kind of how these things function. So any of the projects that you are a fan of, maybe we can discuss some of those. Yeah, well, I think the starting point is to talk about Monero because that was the first big one and it's got a big market. It's been working functionally, serving the black market, which I call the free market. I can't stand that term, the black market, but it's been used in the free markets for a long period of time. And so long story short, it basically has all of the good qualities that you like about Bitcoin except that it's private. And why not use something that is private versus one that is not? And if you don't think privacy is important, then why don't you have a webcam installed in your living room right now or in your bathroom and just turn on the camera and let the whole world see what you're doing 24-7? You know, <laughs> privacy obviously matters. But in the case of had people donated in Monero, just use that as an example. When we saw the truckers convoy, then people would people would have not had their accounts frozen, they would have not had their assets seized, and they would not be on some kind of watch list. This is going to be really important. They're telling you that you will have no privacy. When they're telling you that deliberately, then you need to look for solutions. And from the global perspective, not just your personal perspective, if we want to build a new financial system, because the one we live in sucks royally, anyone who studied it knows it's completely corrupt to the core, that's one group of people controlling the printing press is horrible for humanity. It has been destroying wealth. It's been destroying incomes. If you look at it on an inflation-adjusted thing, everything's been gone since the gold standard. Everything's just dropping like an anvil in the ocean. We have to put an end to that. But it can't be done on a surveillance, transparent ledger. It can't be done. If you picture it this way, Bitcoin is like the trench coat flasher. It's showing you everything, everything. They can track 
everything on that network. And a few people would say, well, if you jump through 98 hoops, Mikhail, you don't understand, we can keep Bitcoin private. And I say, yes, but if we're trying to build a new monetary system, if we're trying to build free markets and, and do commerce and interconnect and, and send money back and forth for goods and services, it needs to be something that's usable for everybody. And it needs to be private because soon when they introduce their central bank digital currencies, you have to picture a day where they try and outlaw the alternatives because they've only got two things to give you. One is incentive, which they're going to hand out plenty of that or force, right? Because yeah, carrot or the stick. I mean, it's going to be UBI and then I don't even want to know what the force is going to be, but it's not going to be pretty, I'm sure. Right. But when you read their documents from the IMF and the Bank of International Settlements, they also tell you the solution, right? If you read between the lines, they're telling you that privacy is the thing they're most concerned about. They're concerned about the stable coins that they don't issue. They're concerned about privacy and privacy tech because they don't know how to stop it. So they're telling us the solution, right? They're telling us a solution. But so Monero has 13 decoys. If you can picture 13 trench coat flashes and you've got to identify one of them. Uh, now there's a new privacy project called, it's called Privacy, PRCY is the ticker symbol. It has 36 decoys, if you will, for ease of understanding versus Monero's now 16. And that's great and well and wonderful. The, the privacy PRCY is a little too small. Monero is well built out. But Monero developers themselves will tell you that ZK Snarks is a superior technology. The World Economic Forum will tell you ZK Snarks is a superior technology. They want to use it for their central bank digital currencies. Only on the wholesale side where privacy for them, none for you, though. So they're telling you they're doing it. Then there's a project called Pirate Chain, a small community-driven project with no pre-mine, no ICO, no dev taxes, none of the some of the dirty stuff to enrich developers that's happening in the crypto space, they skipped all of that. You would think they're almost too small for anyone to see, but basically the criminals have gone and literally copied the entire pirate chain blockchain to try and create some decoy to try and keep people off the trail. To me, this is their way of telling you that this is where the solution is found. Just like they hijacked Zcash. Zcash, we were told was a privacy project, but then the, the, the VC funding came in and magically Privacy became optional on there. But 99% of the transactions are not done privately, meaning you can still hop, skip, and a trace through the blockchain and figure out what everybody's doing. So that doesn't work. And I ask you this. If, here's the thing, Mikhail. You and I go to the sandwich shop, all right? We go to a sandwich shop in uh, El Salvador. You buy lunch for the two of us. You pay in Bitcoin. And someone wants to look up your Bitcoin address, and they find out you're a wealthy guy. All of a sudden, when you and I are leaving the restaurant, our physical security is at risk because they can do that. You can, they can just, because you sent a transaction from your wallet, they can now tell everything that you've ever done with Bitcoin, every transaction you've ever done and how much you hold. Now all of a sudden they think we're two wealthy gringos in another country. We're getting followed down the street and our hotel room's getting broken into. That's a physical security risk. That's outside of the state. And so then you know that there's that kind of physical security risk. Do you want obfuscation or do you want complete anonymity in your finance? Like, I don't want obfuscation. I don't want it where they can use algorithms and basically break it down to. There's a really good chance out of the last million transactions on the Monero blockchain, it's one of these four dudes who has it. That's still a risk. They may not be able to take it to court, but it's still the chain analysis metrics can still track you down. They did a report, I think, in, don't quote me on this, but it was something like 2017 or 18. There was a report put out by one of the chain analytics firms saying that they could track 98% of the Monero blockchain. 
And so I know they're trying to work on it, trying to make it better. And hopefully someday they will. And honestly, I want them all to succeed. But so we call that the anonymity set, the 16 decoys, the trench coat flasher guys, the 30 that I said earlier. The pirate chain anonymity set is 1.2 million. It's so 16 or 1.2 million completely blacked out or obfuscated where you can kind of follow the trail. I don't want that. And I think we need a financial system for the greater good and for us as individuals, because the other thing I want to add, the way I see this playing out, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is I don't think in the beginning that the criminals win or the good guys win. I think we have an in-between. I think we build this monster parallel economy in the beginning, and they're going to implement what they want to implement like a freight train, and there's nothing we can do to stop them from bringing in that new system. I don't, I don't see how we can stop that in the short term. And the countermeasures, because pirate chain's not the only one, the countermeasures to that are not fully built out. But I think in a parallel economy that we build out, it needs to be built completely private because they're going to criminalize anyone participating in it at some point. So it needs to be really private for your physical safety. And then at minimum, there's more to privacy than that, but at minimum. And then from there, it becomes the game of us tapping everyone on the shoulder. We got a better way over here. It's working right. Hey, we got a better way. And eventually we pull enough people out of their system and then it kind of crumbles in its own way that no one wants to use it. Their latest survey, because I read their report, said less than 6% of the population wants to accept CBDCs. But they're going. the alternatives are about to be taken away from them. So we need an alternative that they can't take away. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on that, about having the parallel economy kind of starting to grow larger than the criminal system and then eventually? So, okay, so... I would absolutely agree with you that the name of the game is not trying to beat them. From my perspective, it's not playing. I mean, it's peacefully removing ourselves from the situation, being dependent on ourselves, our family, and in extension, building out our own communities of like-minded people. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to build physical communities of people where we're not dependent on their situations, on their own games that they're playing. So this is generating our own electricity, growing our own food, having our own water. These are some of the most important things. Now you become a lot less dependent dependent on mainstream society and these aggressive systems that they're putting into place as you are not dependent on those things. Then going back to what we had said about creating an income of your own. So having some type of online business, having an online income or trading or investments or crypto or yield farming or whatever it is, but having something where you're generating income and then doing it in a legally protected way, in an anonymous way. I work a lot with legal structures to get our own names off of things to try to be a lot less, I mean, it's difficult as you're building a business to not put your name forward. Like I'm a pretty public figure. I'm pretty outspoken about a lot of these types of things. So it's always trying to balance my privacy and my family's privacy, but at the same time, being out there, being a public figure and trying to help people. But I, you know, you could listen to this podcast for years. I've never said my wife's name on this show. I've never talked about my kids' names, their birthdays. I don't have pictures of them online. You know, there's got to be separation in these types of things. Yes, I use my real name and my real face to talk about ideas ideas and concepts, but I'm not telling people where my money is or what I'm doing or how I have things structured. That's all private information. So there has to be some type of a wall there. And as we start building these parallel societies and alternatives to everything that's already in the mainstream and using this as a way to protect ourselves, I just don't think that they're going to have as much power over us as if you were still living in 
downtown New York or in Los Angeles or Toronto or something like that. If you're living in a foreign country with an impotent government, like we talked about before, in a walled gated community with like-minded people and you produce your own things, their power is just so much less. And they're going to be flexing. They're going to be trying to enforce this power, but their ability to do it on you, you're just not going to be the low-hanging fruit. They're going to spend their resources and their time and energy and effort and money on other people who are making themselves a huge target. So I just want to always be the most difficult target out there. And I think that eventually, eventually there will be a reckoning with all of these. And whether that be pitchforks and tarring and feathering, or this be like Doug Casey and what he talks about in his book, Assassin, which is very well worth reading, there is going to be some type of reckoning in the future and people will be held accountable for what they have done in the world. Yeah, I think so too. I want to believe that and we're big proponents of filtering your own water, having mobile filters, even things that if you have to be on the run with and you need to get some sewage water cleaned up, you know, be in control of those things. We have food stocked up. We have we have some solar energy. We're not where we want to be. And I don't know if anyone ever is. And I don't think it's about a game of perfection. Just talking about making moves, you know, I'm also a big fan of the the other parallel infrastructures being built. So we have companies like Cordal, right? The Cordal blockchain is trying to build alternatives also for power and the reticulum network is trying to build a mesh network for the internet that we can get on that we can all use safely and privately and and to build an entire parallel economy kind of on a platform like that so we're big fans then and and i don't know if you've probably seen this people are now trying to upload things to their google drive and they're getting a notification that's a violation of some kind of google policy when no humans looked at it and they're getting sent back and getting kicked like it's time that we stop storing our data with them. It's time, same with our email accounts. Like I still, it's hard to fully get out of a Gmail account if you've had one for a long time, but at least put your important stuff on a privacy-based email. We recommend mail fence to people. Even if you've got nothing to hide, the point is it's none of their business and your private communication still, should still be somewhere in private. And so, you know, same with when you're watching YouTube, you can download a, an app called New Pipe and you can access the entire YouTube library of content to break your connection for who's watching it, right? So the same way we use VPNs, the same way we recommend, we, or we're always recommending, we know that not everyone's got the finances to buy a new privacy laptop, buy a new private phone, get an anonymous SIM card, and maybe they don't have the tech know-how or the money. There's just a lot of things you could do on your existing phone right now that you could be in control of, and one by one, as we support the alternatives, hey, we throw our support them. So they, they have an incentive to continue developing, which I love. I want to support the alternative social media platforms. It's only a matter of time before we get like a real good, decentralized, strong one. We'll get there. We'll get there. But we have to support the ones that are already doing it and trying to build those good things, those freedom-based technologies. Because, you know, I always laugh, Mikael, when people say, well, I'm just sticking to cash. And I'm all like, they're going to get rid of cash. And I think you can do it. I don't want to be in the digital world. I don't want to use my phone. I don't want to be in the internet. I don't want all this crypto. And I don't want to learn anything new. I'm like, I don't know. You can can try that kicking and screaming, but I don't see that working out for you no matter what. So if you can't get around, you know, if you're going to be forced into this world, why aren't we taking control of what we can control and and use these alternatives, support everybody who's trying to build something that is a freedom-based tech because Like you said earlier, the conversation bounces, but we're ultimately talking about absolute freedom, but in every regard of our lives, you know, people have a very narrow definition of freedom sometimes. And in the world we currently live in, I don't think that's possible, realistic or sane. 
Well, you're absolutely right that there has been a war on cash. I think using cash, yes, we should hold on to it and we should want to use cash, but it's dying. I mean, it will be taken out of circulation and they can absolutely have control over that. That is not very difficult whatsoever to do. So that is the trend. We we have seen it go on for, for years now. COVID sped that up. Now their stores are refusing to give change because they think that it spreads COVID between people, which is hilarious <laughs> slash like ridiculous. But I don't think that that is a viable solution for people. Yes, we should continue to try to use cash for as long as we can, but it's not a long-term solution. Now, as for your point about supporting projects who support freedom, absolutely. This is so important. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to support projects that support freedom. Even if at the end of the day, they end up failing or it doesn't work out or something like that, give to your money to people who are working on solutions, who are trying to figure out something for this. Every time we try out new ideas and we test new things and we start spreading the message, we're helping, you know, we're moving the ball downfield. Are we going to get it right the very first time? No, we're not, but we have to put our money where our mouth is. We have to support each other because we're up against some really serious organizations and serious people here who have unlimited resources. Another piece that I want to bring up, and this is actually, I don't take credit for this. This is my very dear friend, Paul Rosenberg. He sent out a newsletter to his list a couple of months ago, I want to say, and he made a cry out to any developer, any IT person, any programmer who's working on technology, stop supporting projects, stop working on projects that are pushing forward CBDCs, anything to do with the government and these type of central bank digital currencies, don't work on these refuse, quit your job, go out there and work on projects that are going to help humanity, not enslave humanity. Even if you're doing just a very, very small, small piece, you're still condemning the rest of humanity. Don't do this. Encourage your friends to stop. Encourage everybody that you know to not participate, to remove yourself from the situation, because this is true evil. These things are absolutely there to hurt and harm and coerce and make people prisoners. So please do not participate. Don't, if you have kids who are listening to this and they're IT people, if they're programmers, tell them this message. Just stop, refuse to do it. I understand they might be giving you fat salaries and these types of things, but it won't matter at the end if they can have currencies that have expiration dates on it, where your currency is only good for six months. And if you don't spend it, then it becomes void. You can't use it anymore. If they have things where you can only spend your currency on what they want you to spend it on, this certain type of food, this at this exact store, you can only shop at Amazon or Walmart. You can't support small businesses anymore. These types of things are happening. These are coming. Do not participate. You have to say enough. Like, I, I just don't understand anyone who thinks that this is okay behavior. I love what you just said. I love your passion for that. People have to realize that we are all mutually responsible for building the parallel economy. We are all mutually responsible for building these things. Like, oh, I got a free VPN. By the way, every VPN just about on planet Earth has already collected your data and has already sold your data. They're lying their asses off to you. So why would you not support a privacy-based one like, let's say, Mulvad? We like Mulvad a lot. They accept Monero. They, they collect zero personal information from you whatsoever. And yeah, you got to pay a few bucks. Who cares? We're supporting the right thing. I pay a few dollars for an email provider that respects you. 
it's worth it. It's worth it over the free email account. And if you've got people who are community-driven crypto projects that are trying to create a currency for us that will be future-proof, that most of the developers, almost everyone on the team are all volunteers. There's no money. There's no salaries. There's no VC money. They're not accepting anybody's money. Well, we, we can support them. We can still financially support them. We can also build a parallel economy by talking to sellers and buyers and vendors about the benefits of it. We're all mutually responsible for building this parallel economy. We're not going to go back to barter. My friends, if you grow an apple tree and your neighbor doesn't have a need for apples, it, it's a horribly inefficient system. It's a nice idea, but we need a currency. It needs to be completely anonymous, not obfuscated. The wallets, the data, the every bit of the, every bit of data that moves in and out of every interaction with that currency needs to be protected and built for you. And we fully believe that Pirate Chain is trying to do that. And so we're not saying they're the only. We're talking about privacy tech where everything you can put on your phone to protect yourself. Every project in crypto that's supporting pro-freedom, pro-privacy, anyone's trying to build something for us. If someone's building a cloud data storage that protects you, you want to get them. If they're building servers that don't have chips that have give Microsoft a backdoor into it, support them, right? Everything that we can do We want to live in a free world. It matters to me more than anything else. What the World Economic Forum describes, I will not live in that future. I'd rather not be on the planet than live that future. But I'm not just going to accept their defeat. Like you said, build communities. But those communities are not just the people around you. They're not just those people. We we are a global community of freedom-loving people, and we can build interconnected networks, marketplaces, our own free energy networks, our own internet access without ISP providers. If we can build all those things, if people are working on those projects, we need to support them, promote them, tell the world about them, use them, send some dollars, invest some money, all the above. I think it's so important. So we're huge on that. Brilliant. I absolutely agree with it. I mean, this is the stuff that I live for. I mean, these are the things that I'm trying to work on every single day and help people. Terry, amazing conversation today. Thank you so much for your time. If people want to find out more about what you do, if they want to get a hold of you, where can we send them? Well, an easy way is I have a newsletter. It's infrequent. We're not going to bomb you with things, but it's just my first name, last name.com. Just going to make sure you spell it correctly. We started a new Telegram group recently. I can email you the link, Mikhail, if you just want to I'll put it with the podcast, whatever. And we're just trying to talk about solutions in there. That's the only thing we're trying to do. It's not a negative news network. And you don't have to like all the solutions. We're just trying to talk about solutions. All the same stuff we've been discussing today, uh, little privacy apps, anything we can help people with. So that's what we're doing, Kel. Also, I'm very excited about your upcoming event on Monday. I love that you're doing it. I love that you're aggregating all these speakers. Uh, we're going to be promoting the event to our audience. If you have any time on short notice and want to do an interview to promote the event with our group, we would love to help in any way that we can also. We just want to get all the freedom-loving people working together and getting as much knowledge as they can to protect themselves. So thank you so much for having me. It's been a thrill. I've been a longtime listener, so very cool that we get to do this together, and I appreciate you. Amazing. Terry, thank you so much. And actually, one more request from you. Maybe some of the things that we have talked about, real-life projects, maybe you can email me those. We can put them in the show notes as well because we've covered so much today and being able to have a resource where people can start going through these, like some of the VPNs and the different privacy coins and all of these things. So we'll make sure that all of those things are in the show notes for Terry Tillart's episode at expatmoneyshow.com. You guys are going to be able to find all of that. And... Terry, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Likewise. Thank you, Mikhail. Have a great day. You too. 
We have the summit coming up soon. I'm so excited about this. This is going to be amazing. It's at expatmoneysummit.com. Really, the idea is to help you secure your new life abroad. It is our motto. It is our guiding light. We are doing everything in our power to help you secure your new life abroad. And that's what the summit is all about. We have speakers from around the world. Now, some of the speakers, you will certainly know their names, like Ron Paul and Doug Casey, who are going to be speaking about freedom in the state of the world and freedom in the world. But a lot of the speakers, you are not going to know their names because they're the lawyers that I work with. They're the immigration lawyers or the tax lawyers or the different service providers that I partner with when I work with my private clients and try to help them get more freedom in their life. So this summit is going to be unbelievable. We have five days lined up. They're very full days. There's going to be a ton of information, a ton of knowledge on this. But we're going to make it as simple as possible for you, a simple process for going offshore. So I'm really, really excited about that. If you guys want to get a free ticket, all you need to do is go to expatmoneysummit.com. That's expatmoneysummit.com. You can buy, quote unquote, buy a free ticket. You have to go through the whole process. I know it is a little bit cumbersome, but that's just how the software works. So you know what? Deal with it. But once you quote unquote buy a free ticket, you're going to get an email with a confirmation with your ticket number, and there's going to be all the additional information from there. So anyways, I hope you guys join us for this year's Expat Money Summit at expatmoneysummit.com. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. I have managed to secure exclusive rights to a block of villas in one of the hottest up-and-coming regions in my current home country, Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop, capitalizing on the globally recognized resort brand coming to Panama. We will discuss how the tourism landscape in this region will change rapidly upon the public announcement of this project and how I have secured the rights for my clients to capitalize on this opportunity before anyone else. Thanks to my connections in the region, I have negotiated pricing that front runs everyone else. Think early, early bird pricing. From gourmet restaurants to vibrant clubs, poolside activities, and even live bands, this resort is going to pump some serious life into the region. But this isn't what excites me or what should excite you either. The exciting part is that these world-class amenities and top brand will attract tens of thousands of tourists. Tourists who will fork over top dollar to stay at our investment properties. Register free at expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for this free real estate workshop. See you on May 4th at 10 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar.